Hello. Hi. And welcome to another episode of Sophia's Choice, a Golden Girls podcast. I am Alan and joined by Brent. Good to be here. And Ski. Also good to be here. <laughs> you know, for you, Ski, I believe that's genuine. For Brent, <laughs> it's hard to tell sometimes. Uh, but anyway, today we're going over season three, Keep episode. You on your toes. What? Yeah. <laughs> Keep my on my toes as to whether I think you want to be here or not. <laughs> it's not really the kind of toes I want to be on. <laughs> I consider you our anchor. Uh, dragging us down. No, no. <laughs> Keeping us in place so we don't go further. <laughs> I would not say that either. No. Keep you guys from just floating away. <laughs> right. <laughs> On a boring cloud, that would be what we'd float away on if it wasn't Keeping for you. you tethered to ninth place. Yeah, but you know what? <laughs> hey, the thing in is ninth that, place. We would be thing. in like 12th without you. Right, we would be floating <laughs> out to sea, not like on the bigger and better things. They'd be like, gosh, into this oblivion. sea guy is dry. Let's I mean, be number four in the Philippines. Right. <laughs> well, like, I, like we've just had four, our last four weeks of uh, numbers mm-hmm. have been our best four weeks that we've had so far. Oh, nice. um, not not exactly Thank sequentially, you. but our those yeah, four weeks. Yeah you know, in whatever order have been our best four weeks. Uh-huh. And we're on a streak right now of uh, like 35 straight days of double figure nice. uh, listens. Um, yeah. And in the past, our best streak prior to this one was 13 mm-hmm. days. Nice. So we're on a really nice, you know, yeah. trajectory right now. It's going in a positive direction. Yeah. I think that if you weren't part of the podcast, especially if you weren't part from the beginning, mm-hmm. then I'd be like, ski, we got up to double figures this week. What? <laughs> <laughs> it would be... I don't know. I think even our family members would. <laughs> Sherry would be like, "Yeah, I just I don't have time. It's too busy at work." <laughs> so, so I think you 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 may be an anchor, but you're you're tethering us toward at the nine and not allowing us to sink further. The triumvirate, yeah, definitely yeah. works better. Well, I think if I may be so bold, um, I'm not you sure may. this particular episode when it airs, how many people are going to listen. Okay, but I would wager a good eighty percent of those are tuning in to find out. Did Ski have to clean up the house from the son-in-law, or did the son-in-law clean up the house? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there is. That's a big question, because last week when we recorded, your son-in-law, uh, or almost son-in-law. Son-in-law. The future son-in-law. <laughs> I don't know. The, uh, the granddaddy, baby daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Grandbaby daddy. Your, uh, Something your, like that, yes. Your yeah. tenant. Um, tenant yeah. For the night. <laughs> uh, not for the night anymore. Because... <laughs> lonely innkeeper <laughs> yeah well like two days ago i think in real time um mm-hmm. he, he moved in so now he's officially oh yeah on yeah. the so he passed the audition for cleaning up after himself or it was not bad uh i guess he the boys and my daughter cleaned up everything mm-hmm. there's like, a few things that are just kind of around still like some water bottles uh-huh. uh they bought a bunch of like nerf guns i guess okay and we're shooting at each other inside the house too there was nothing broken, mm-hmm. and their balls are generally pretty soft anyway, so they <laughs> <laughs> can knock something over, you know. I tell you what, your daughter shares way too much with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say that he, he passed the audition like eight and a half months ago. <laughs> that was the audition that he had to pass in order to get himself. I did up. not audition anyone. <laughs> yeah, but as soon Those as Those auditions would not be open. <laughs> as soon as... Uh, the audition was passed whether you were in charge of it or not then i think that pretty much already the handwriting was on the raw right then that he was going to be you know your newest roommate <laughs> so, so they did like 80 percent of it you'd say oh they'd probably say 90, 90 like there was 90. just a handful okay. of little things yeah, around that's respectable then. yeah yeah 
I mean, honestly, after my own party at my own house, it's lucky if we get 90% of it cleaned yeah. up within a yeah. day or two. So. Yeah, I think 90%. He's a keeper. And then we had uh, the baby shower was okay. on last Sunday as well. Okay. And uh, we were able to get that. That went off without a hitch. Did he so. clean up for that? Him and his friends both helped. Nice. Or, they, or both. They like There was three of them, but they yeah. all they all helped nice. out. Packing the stuff in the cars and stuff. Uh, you got yourself a good one there. Now, listen, Seems though. Seems to be. I, I, I'm, I still, I'm still very wary. <laughs> I'm just a, I'm just a nervous guy on those on those type of things. Well, so let me give you now. This is an opinion of someone who has only met Eddie is is the new is the son in law's name. I thought um, it was like Lamont Cranston or something. No, shit. no, Eddie. It, <laughs> the <laughs> no, it's Eddie or Edward, I assume. But Eddie. I have given him a nickname. You want to hear it? Sure. It's <coughs> and Sir Edmund Win. Or hold on. Weatherfordshire. Oh, okay. Well, that's a, a fine nickname. <laughs> I don't know if it qualifies as a nickname, but... Uh, it qualifies. Okay. Um, but anyway, so here's what I'll say. Again, I barely know Eddie. Like, I've met him a couple times, mm-hmm. and even those couple times, it was... He's quiet anyway. It was so. in passing. Yeah, it was, yeah. But seems like a nice enough guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he works. Mm-hmm. He uh, seems like he treats Alexis decently. Okay. So, positive things. Um, yeah. However, I learned today that the father, the parents uh-huh. of the boyfriend, it wasn't that Alexis had directly prior to Eddie, I don't think, okay. but she, it was a long-term boyfriend that she had okay. prior to Eddie. Okay. His like parents. Long? Like a year, two years? What well, was about a year and a half, two years? I don't know. You're, ta- you're talking about uh, Jared? Yeah, Jared. What about him? How <laughs> long? Okay. Know. The first oh, one. how long were they together? Yeah. I guess around two years. Okay, and they were fairly serious. Now, school. granted, this is high school, yeah, yeah. so, you know, who but knows. Two high school years, that's like eight adult years. Yeah, I know. That, that's <laughs> like they, they probably should have been celebrating their, you know, whatever the 10-year anniversary is just around the corner. But Paper. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, though, I just I found out today that his parents in their house, they have a full-court basketball, indoor basketball oh, wow. court that has the – the actual floor that the Bulls played on because they purchased it after the Bulls moved oh, buildings really? or whatever, um, a, along with the lavish fountain and things yeah, of that nature. Yeah, I never got to see it. I, I have no yeah. desire. It sounds palatial, to say the least. It does. And this is who could be the father of her child had things gone in a different direction. Yeah. And she could have been on the dole for the rest of mm-hmm. the next 18 years anyway. Exactly. Um, but now, granted, as was pointed out, I mean, this kid is a high school student. He himself makes no money right now yeah yeah but uh you gotta figure isn't he going to like notre dame or something crazy i don't know where he ended up going on, uh, so. well i mean he, he he's <laughs> someone who i think I'm pretty sure he applied there but i don't know if he got in he he had really good grades so he's oh. but he doesn't have that much money he's getting in yeah <laughs> right <laughs> exactly build a library or something <laughs> that it'll it'll we'll add a wing to whatever yeah, yeah. exactly so although for notre dame i would think you'd have to put in quite a bit <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Only the altar boys. Granted. <laughs> but I would say that I'm not saying it was a, at all a mistake because I have no idea. I I don't know if I ever even laid eyes on yeah. Jared. Maybe once, maybe yeah. twice at most, but I don't have any memory of him. Um, well, I think here's the $64,000 question. Okay? okay. Would Jared have cleaned up 95%? You know, Jared would have paid someone to clean up 100%. John gets none. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> he would have had his, his staff <laughs> coming. You know what? And I never disliked the kid, Jared. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But to, to bring in some kind of, like, context, uh-huh. I always got the impression from his family uh-huh. that they were a Barbara Thorndike-ish type uh-huh. of breed. 
Gotcha. Mm. They're always going on about the hey fans. Shaw. <laughs> keep keep tuned in. You'll understand that here shortly. Oh. <laughs> you talking about your OnlyFans? OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> so how much would you need to make to to have an OnlyFans account? Like how much would you need to be guaranteed? You know, and you'll show it all on your OnlyFans account. Um, <laughs> take requests and whatnot. Um, now we're not saying that you're going to do anything uh, dangerous to yeah, your nothing, physical. Yeah. You know, but plenty lewd. Yeah, yeah, certainly lewd, uh-huh. and certainly showing you know all of your bits. How yeah. much would you need to make on a you know to I be mean, comfortable with that? I'd have to at least you know I'd have to at least match my current salary because <laughs> there's no way I could show my face at work. <laughs> <laughs> So so if someone came along they're like, okay, we'll give you you know X amount of dollars a year. I mean, you know, I, I hope that you make a good salary. I, I think that you have worked your way up and whatnot. Um, but if they were just like, we'll guarantee you this amount for five years, yeah. okay, worth of uh, service. And basically, you know, once a day, you need to pop on this. You need to show however many fans you end up having, <laughs> you know, all your parts, and then you'll be able to continue making that work salary. Uh-huh. But the rest of your day, you have free to yourself. Yeah, you, you'd go with that. I think so. Is that like what do I have to do with my parts? I mean, can I just sit there and do the crossword puzzle or something? Or well, maybe a little more lewd than that. Um, <laughs> you gotta probably so take requests, don't you? But misspell it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well not not unthinkable. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I would definitely subscribe to your OnlyFans account, but I doubt that I would ever look into it. But I would feel like oh, yeah. I need to support you. Give me the $25 a day. Right, yeah, a day. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say I'd be your only subscriber. <laughs> Although, I guess I hope you make more than $25 a day at work. <laughs> that'd be like a waiter with no tips. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Yeah. I, I would subscribe as long as it was that. Like, I pay five bucks a month to be part of the Tell Em Steve Dave Patreon. Okay. I would certainly contribute at least that much to your. I'd even be like on your second or third tier, like the $20 a month tier. Okay. Um, With the personalized greeting. Right. Yeah. Write your name in the snow. Yeah. Well, like once a month, I would think like once a month, you send me a little bit of swag. <laughs> so, <laughs> a keychain or something like that. With well, your name what was on your it. OnlyFans we called? Um. Um. Uh, Brent's wiener. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just cut right to it. You know, there's yeah. no reason. No sugar coating. You don't need to be real cutesy. Just make it. Put it on Front Street, <laughs> and then everybody knows what they're getting. <laughs> the fact that you don't consider wiener to be cutesy. <laughs> well, but still, if you see that, I mean, maybe it's cutesy, but it's still direct. So it's okay. it's not. Uh, now, I guess you could call it that, and then you'd have pictures of. You know, your dachshund or whatever. <laughs> yeah. so, but you have a dog, right? Yes. yes what what kind of dog is it? It's just a mutt. Just a mutt? Okay. Yeah. It's predominantly terrier mm. kinds of mutts. But. Yeah, terrier is such a broad spectrum <laughs> yeah. of dogs, it seems like. But yeah. anyways, but it's not a dachshund, correct? No, it is not. Okay, it so if, not. If, if there was Brent's wiener, then it definitely would. You can still do a cartoon dog. Just right. uh, yeah. Well, I mean, that would take a just skill set that I don't know if Brent has. Those mm-hmm. Now, if you were doing his animation. I, I would gladly help contribute uh-huh. with, with that, not with the, the mm-hmm. filming. Okay. <laughs> what if I mean, I'll set the camera up and stuff, but. <laughs> what if I told you I have, like, rotoscope skills? Would you, like, I don't roll know. around and play, like, a dog while I animate it on top of it? Rotoscope. I'm. I'm trying to remember. That's like. Uh, it's like copying animation, right? Like, yeah, like, like a live a, person does it, right? And then I just pencil over top of it. 
Well, you could do that now. I'm sure you could figure that out. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I got those skills. Would you be my Dotson? Oh, oh. So, so, oh. And so you'd like roll around and lift your own balls <laughs> and I would just animate you. Well, hell yeah, I'd definitely do that. I just want you to know. I was like, simply saying I didn't want to film you naked. I would have no issue filming you naked, just so you know. Like, it wouldn't do anything for me, but I would have no issue doing it. I think I'm more now, woke than but... Ski. What's that? You say it wouldn't now, but maybe in the future? No, well, I'm saying it's easy for you to say now oh. that it wouldn't do anything for you. Yeah, but three weeks when he starts his... the glory, you'd be like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. I'd be like, maybe these last 42 years have been a mistake. Exactly. <laughs> I made a huge mistake. All right. Well, I think we're done with that. So, okay. if, if you Brent's if you're opening doors, yeah. <laughs> if you're if you're wanting Brent to do an OnlyFans account, no, please drop not. us a line. Yeah, um, I mean, please drop us a line. But I'm not doing an OnlyFans for, <laughs> for anyone out there. <laughs> I don't care how many five stars you give Alan. <laughs> Excuse me. Now, listen, I, I'm a very persuasive one. I need to be, Brent. <laughs> so, really? You've been ready to quit this podcast for about 60 episodes now, and you're still here. Persuade that one to be on time next week. <laughs> hey, he was on time in the house this week. So I don't think, I think you're being a little unfair that you're like, if you're not in the seat by 930, now you're late. I think you're moving your goalpost. <laughs> so. The fact that we're rewarding him for being on the property at the right time <laughs> says everything we need to say. Oh, you're, uh, That's the closest he's been in a long time. You're challenging but delightful, so it, it works out, I guess. <laughs> I just hope Eddie runs a tight ship there. <laughs> Eddie runs no ship. He'll run a ship when he owns his own home. You say that now, but... Oh, I say it and I hold true. That rudderless ship has already gone aground. Exactly. <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to go into this house with my Nerf guns and my soft balls and just do as I please. <laughs> and you let him do it. Like, as long as I don't have to do more than 10% more work, then it's fine. Exactly. <laughs> so... Anyway, today we're going over a season three, episode fifteen, Dorothy's new friend, our normal for our normal uh, format. format. Yes, thank yeah. you. I was about to say forecast, <laughs> but our, yeah. our normal. We could, we could forecast it. Forecast. Um, I'm forecasting a, an average episode, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, but our normal format with Ski doing <laughs> is uh, his recap. I'll, we give our MVPs, <laughs> best lines of the episodes, and then give it a rating out of eight slices of cheesecake. Did so. we have any viewer mail? Um, nothing new this week. No. Okay. So, but I'll let you know if anything new does come in. Okay. Between now and when we stop recording. Yep, exactly. Nice. Well, the next time I guess I see it. Now, I will say that we have continued to be retweeted by, um, Amichi Panda. So oh, nice. we Thank certainly you, appreciate Panda. that helping to yes. spread us around a little bit more. So. Indeed. <laughs> I don't like that expression. You don't? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. That's not a good expression. <laughs> I, I retract it, but yeah. the appreciation I don't want to retract. I like that you gave it a moment of consideration before you decided. Yeah, well, you know, I'm not going to just go right into it yeah, just because yeah. you say. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so. Giving credence to what I say. Yeah, but I am willing to consider it. Yeah. You're <laughs> so. your own man. Yeah. <laughs> so there's two of those at this table. <laughs> wow. <laughs> man. <laughs> Ever since I found out you stood me up for appetizers, <laughs> the gloves have that been was off. That was it, huh? <laughs> In fairness, they did call ahead. <laughs> I 
did my very best to get here on time. But you didn't call us ahead of time to say, hey, I'm getting Mott sticks instead of doing the podcast. That's because it was more expensive than Mott sticks. <laughs> what was it? Stuffed uh, mushrooms, wasn't it? Yeah, it's like they yeah. were really good. A lot of people don't like them, but I, me and yeah, Nicole like them a lot. They're like, hmm. Are you, are you a fan of mushrooms? Oh, not at all. Yeah, me either. It's like eating an earlobe. Mm-hmm. So. Exactly. Which sounds horrible to me, but yeah. it does. I still like them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's fine. You're... i got this polyp beneath my skin on my shoulder blade. Mm-hmm. That's a mushroom. Chomp, chomp. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Ski, so you ready to kick off the recap? I yeah. guess, that was yeah. Northeast friend. <laughs> my, my crushed, worthless soul down. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's funny because... This has been Ski's role in our my friendship with him for the majority <laughs> of our time, you know, as friends for the majority of the last thirty years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think he's as used to getting lambasted by you as he is. Like <laughs> if James was in your place, then he would be totally used to it. But okay. normally, you know, it's me and James or Well and James is easier to pick back on too. Oh well yeah. I mean he's got a lot of flaws. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Brent's got plenty of his own flaws. You're just not comfortable enough to, to pick on those. He knows I'm an easy crier. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's nothing worse than the tears of a clown. Exactly. <laughs> easy to laugh, easy to cry. It's like, well, we need is zinger, so I better just suck it up and take it. <laughs> the last thing we want is an hour-long podcast of nothing but just recap and silence. <laughs> That would be an interesting and I'm like, format. So, what's your rating, Brent? Three. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think you could make it through this recap without using the word uh, or the phrase uh, or the expression uh, Terry Hughes? If you want to say it first, <laughs> <laughs> you I would say that is who directed it. So, so yeah, the, from here on, I'm good. Yeah, so there you go. Okay. All right, so so we know the director. And Ski doesn't have to <laughs> mention the name <laughs> to, to meet Brent's increasing demands. <laughs> so. Season three, episode fifteen, or in Spanish, Quince, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, you episode title: Quinceanera. Say what? <laughs> Do you remember that from your own Quinceanera? It's not how it's pronounced, but yes, yes, that's <laughs> from my own, of course. How's it pronounced? It's Quinceanera. It's there's a tilde over the end. <laughs> <laughs> that was damn near as punitive as Brent's 930, 931 shit. <laughs> I, I don't know. My stupid Anglo ears could hear nothing different from what Brent said and what you said. One more time. Our Spanish <laughs> listeners will know. Yeah. I mean, we, I think we may have a couple that, you know, do speak Spanish, I'm sure, but. Uh, so, so I said quinceanera, and you said quinceanera. <laughs> <laughs> the N sounds like an N-Y almost. Niera. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but what does that have to do with a tilde at the end? <laughs> oh, it's over the N. The tilde's over the N. N. Okay, I thought you said over the N. Yeah, dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> in Finally. His, in reveal res- for the fraud you've always been. <laughs> In his defense, it does sound very similar. Yeah. <laughs> but I can tell. You can tell that Ski's already a little wounded today. <laughs> because it was like, yeah, you son of a bitch. You said it wrong. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> There's a little extra behind that than what we normally hear out of the mild-mannered Ski. So. Well, I hope that's gone. Well, I'll leave that up at the door there. Well, he started it. He's like, that's not how it's pronounced. <laughs> well, I think you started it by, <laughs> by 
saying the other kings in the era. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, he's like, you know, for our Spanish listeners, this episode quinceanera, whatever. Quince. <laughs> and I was like, do you remember that from your own quinceanera? Mm-hmm. And he's like, that's not how you pronounce it. Well, yeah, that's a, a celebration for a 15-year-old girl. <laughs> so I think that you're the one taking the first shot. I don't believe the boys celebrate their oh. games in Europe. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> it never even occurred to me that, you know, him stepping out of his flats and stepping into his heels for his first time would have been offensive. <laughs> Listen, I apologize. I, I, I support Ski 100%. If he came over to my house tomorrow and wanted me to call him a different pronoun, I would 100% support it and, you know, I would be surprised, mm-hmm. but you know, I'd be a hundred percent supportive and go with In whatever. My beautiful ball gown. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. However, I, like, I think it's a don't dead name me. Call me Selena. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not suggesting it in a way that indicates that you're being supportive of his <laughs> life choices. <laughs> so you're suggesting it in a completely opposite type of a way. <laughs> I'm suggesting it in the multiverse theory, uh. in which there is a ski out there. Well, that yeah, well that that <clears throat> hypothesis that definitely happened. Yeah, exactly. many times over. Exactly, and I'm sure that guy you know had a, a beautiful quinceanera. Oh, I'm sure he did. But how would Earth six sixteen ski over here know <laughs> what <laughs> about his multiverse doppelganger <laughs> that you know? Happen to grow up as a young lady instead. I think he just always has to assume that the opposite's also happening. Oh, okay. So, so whatever you suggest he's done, he has to assume that some other version of him exactly. has done. Exactly. Be like, oh, is that? Did you learn that when you were raping all those children? He's like, well, not that- this ski, but another ski probably did hear it then. Exactly. Because, like, you know, like this is a one child guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Wow. That's, that's, bra- that's well more rough than what you said earlier. That's... I can say with confidence that no one at this table is on any registry or any offender list um, so far. <laughs> so they can they can be in as far or close to a school as they like. Uh, we can do that. What register somebody we know? Like register ski? On, I don't think you can just sign up. No, I'm just saying. Like, like why don't we register at Target or something uh, for, for the podcast? Like, if you'd like to support our podcast, you can buy us some gifts. <laughs> God, that'd be such an odd thing. Like, and remember, look up Sophia's Choice Podcast on Amazon, and you can buy us something off the registry. Exactly. Like, yeah, we don't want to go through the trouble of now, setting up like a Patreon account, but we know there's a lot of people looking to throw money our way. So, so yeah, there's a waffle iron Brent has his eye on. You want to get us in a still Getty Chia pit? Now you can. That would be. Does that exist? <laughs> yeah, it does actually. As a matter of fact, I kind of want that the, now. I think they have the whole the whole cast. Yeah. I mean, the four main. It makes of course, sense. Yeah, but, if they got one uh-huh. of them. Now, a stand chia pet would actually make a lot of sense uh-huh. since you know then you could give them the gift of hair, but uh-huh. or a blanche that's on its back. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I, I, we could make that a lot more dirty right there. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> 
I know that would be the true path to Chia Pet Gold. You know, like if you're looking to make your fortune off Chia Pets, mm-hmm. then I think that would be the way to go. Yeah. Is make dirty Chia Pets. Yeah. 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 But. <laughs> <laughs> you guys ever bought a Chia Pet? Like and done it? I, no, I, I think when I was a kid, I, I had one that I opened and, mm-hmm. and attempted, but never put the effort into actually making it work. Yeah. Did you have one? Nah. What about Juicy? No. I do own a couple Simpsons Chia Pets that you know are in their boxes that are just part of my collection Last of stuff. Collection. Yeah, mm-hmm. but uh, but no, I've never never actually attempted to do one. I should get one for the kids to do. They would yeah. probably enjoy it. And then I could see if it actually Doesn't works. Doesn't Liam like doing like plants and stuff? Yeah, yeah, he got I mean, like a little be... set of plants for uh, his there's birthday. There's some cool ones out there. I think there's some Star Wars ones too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like a little uh, Baby Yoda one and mm-hmm. other classic Star Wars characters as well. So could be fun. Mm-hmm. But you know what else would be fun? Kicking like, off the recap again. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess continuing the kickoff. <laughs> so. uh, episode title is Dorothy's new friend. Mm-hmm. Air date January sixteenth, nineteen eighty eight. Written by Robert the Bruce and Martin the Weiss. <laughs> and we already know who directed it. Directed by T.H. <laughs> <laughs> Tad Hamilton? <laughs> yes. Yeah, sure. Guest director. Oh. Uh, we well, open in the kitchen. Say what? <laughs> Such a random poll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you remember that? Like it's it's from a movie. I like, didn't hear what he said. Actually. He said he went on a date with him. Um, with who? Tad Hamilton. I don't even know what that's from. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's from a a movie with I think Josh Duhamel in yeah. it. Um, <laughs> that was I think might have been him. Maybe Kate Hudson or someone like it's that. I don't remember who the female lead was, but. Yeah, it was when a date with Tad Hamilton. I think he was supposed to be like a celebrity I'm in the movie. I'm quite positive I've not seen that. Yeah, I mean, I think it did probably reasonable at the box office and whatnot, but it's nothing that anybody <laughs> references. <laughs> like, it's a deeper cut than anything that's ever been on the Golden Girls to this point. <laughs> okay. I, I would wager to guess that there would be, out of our, you know, 70 regular listeners and then, you know, the extra maybe 30 people a week that mm-hmm. you know tune in yeah. um I, i'd be willing to bet that there'd be a vast majority of them that would not catch that reference at all that's okay <laughs> i'm narrow casting for the two or three who did appreciate yeah that's it. true i'm sure those two or three were like hmm, i remember that movie exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> and that i hope they had fond memories of it that right for you folks <laughs> that's that's the same crew that was uh cheering the quinceanera Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or at least the same number of people. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I think that was a good little bit. Um, <laughs> I think that a lot of people would have enjoyed that entire exchange. Uh, the Tad Hamilton, not as much. <laughs> <laughs> so we open in the kitchen. Sophia is uh, cleaning like, the island area mm-hmm. and uh, then goes to remove a dish from the stove. Uh, then Blanche enters uh, from the back area and asks what she's making. Sophia responds that she's making a lasagna mm-hmm. uh, for a man at the senior center named Murray. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blanche asks if he's cute, and Sophia then explains that, well, he's 84, doesn't have a hair on his head, and in this case, I can tell you it's not the, the top of his head, because he does have like a little ring of hair we see later. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he has, when we see him later in the episode, He not that he has a lot of hair, he's certainly balding, but he has more hair than Stan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, he doesn't have a real tooth in his mouth, and he is covered in liver spots. Mm-hmm. But then she also adds that, yes, he is adorable. Uh, then Rose comes in holding a bag and a, uh, looks like a, maybe a, 
I don't know if it's maybe ceramic, like horse head. Oh, well, I'm going to be or, ceramic. I would no, imagine no, like, be covered. Uh, ceramic would be a heavy ass <laughs> costume. Well, no, like I'm, I'm thinking uh, paper mache. Paper mache. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Horsehead talking about uh, a great costume that she has picked up for a masquerade ball that's coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, she then comments that uh, she doesn't know if she should be the front or the rear of the horse. Sophia says that you know she's in a, in a bit of a hushed tone. She's in currently a romantic mood and is going to let that whole golden opportunity pass right by. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, then uh, Dorothy enters the kitchen and she seems to be in a kind of a grumpy mood. Uh, we see... Uh, uh, Rose tells her about the costume, and she is uh, less than excited to know that it's uh, that time of year because I guess they've gone to this masquerade ball many times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think Rose refers to it as the social event of the season. Um, <laughs> Even more than the best friends a good health award? Well, I mean, a season. There's four seasons in a year at least, <laughs> so yeah. perhaps it'd be the social event of whatever season, you know. Yeah. Now Miami seems like a, a town that basically has one season. <laughs> but, one think, yeah. uh, but I, I think you could still break it up. If you were in a town or in a place that had, you know, essentially the same weather all year round, you know, maybe just variations on how hot or whatever it yeah. was, do you feel like you would, do you think it still would be reasonable if you were to refer to something as social event of the season that it would be within a three month time frame? Or do you think you could call whatever the season? Like, oh, this is the boating season. This is the Christmas decoration season. This is, <laughs> you know, that could, might, sure. Helps. So you could have like a dozen seasons if you wanted to? Yeah, sure. Okay. So. <laughs> Thanks. April season. <laughs> okay. Uh, but uh, I would think that the you know old lady Claxon's funeral would have been the social event of that season. I don't know. There weren't many people there, <laughs> so oh, I bet they celebrated that in after party. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Dancing on her grave. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Tying yellow ribbons around that old oak tree. <laughs> but she tells the uh, girls that she's uh, in a bit of a rut with no real social life or experiment or excitement. Sophia explains that, you know, that was basically her sex life with her father uh, for much of the time. Sophia asks, you know, where her sense of excitement and adventure are. Blanche kind of chimes in and asks, you know, when would she ever like that? And Sophia explains that she's never been that way, and she's been asking her that question since she was 12. (laughs) Uh, Blanche then tries to, quote, kind of help by saying that, you know, she can't help it if she's dull and boring. That God her made her that way uh, for variety. Otherwise, everyone would be like her, like yeah. Blanche. Mm-hmm. Dorothy replies, that, uh, there really wouldn't be enough sailors to go around if that was the case. So Rose and Sophia tell Dorothy that she needs to make her own excitement. And uh, she kind of agrees that, yeah, they're right. She tells the girls that, you know, she might actually go to this lecture they're having at the school. She says that a, a lady, an author uh, named Barbara Thorndike will be there speaking. Mm-hmm. And she tells them that uh, she has a bunch of books that are all kind of set in Florida as the setting. Uh, Sophia asks if she uh, wrote the uh, book uh, Evil Wind Over Pensacola. And uh, Dorothy asks, oh, you know that? And her mother says, yeah, I go to bed with it every night. Then Blanche follows up asking what the book's about. She says she has no idea. She hasn't read it. She currently uses it to prop up one foot on her bed that lost a caster. Yeah, that's a... The line itself isn't anything great, but it did remind me. One of my favorite sh- stories of Sherry mm-hmm. is that, and this isn't even like a real specific story, mm-hmm. but it's more of a, I don't know, a situation. Mm-hmm. They apparently, when she was growing up, had a couch that sat on four legs, uh-huh. um, but one of those legs had broken off at some mm-hmm. point. And so they would consistently, in order to 
don't know, for a temporary replacement for that leg, would put a canned good underneath there, like a oh, can yeah. of beans or whatnot, <laughs> um, and then forget about it. And then, you know, lo and behold, a month or two later, boom, the can of beans would give out and smash them back <laughs> oh, out no. of the floor. Uh, I don't know how many rotations they went through, how many uh-huh. cans of beans they went through, yeah. but I just always have loved the idea of people sitting on a couch, and then it just gives way. Yeah. <laughs> and then you had to clean up the baked beans off the floor or whatever it was that was in the can. So... Was it at least on like hardwood or something versus the carpet? I have no idea. Uh, my guess, I'm trying to think of that. The old house, because I've been to Sherry's, uh, the house that she grew up in um, before, but it was a long time ago because they had, I think, just moved when Sherry and I started dating. So I don't even remember what caused us to go back there. Maybe her dad was in the process of selling the house or something, and I was going to that help. That wasn't the house with the little like well in the front, was it? The decoration? I don't remember. No, I don't think so. That but was I, when she moved in, too? Maybe, but I think it was, you may have even helped me. Remember we went to paint a house one time a long time ago? No. I don't know. I, no, think, I don't remember. I think you were part of it, but anyway, some group of us were helping him paint a house that he was getting ready to sell, so we were mm-hmm. painting the outside of it, and that was her old house. And I feel like that it did not have carpeted floors. So at gotcha. least at least the beans, you know, <laughs> didn't. there wasn't a big, you know, stain <clears throat> line on the carpet from beans. But anyways, that's always been one of my favorite little Sherry uh, anecdotes. Possibly from people. I wonder if it happened like when someone sat down, like, like flopped down on the couch really extra hard. Oh, probably. Yeah, that would be the time. the extra force <laughs> needed. Yeah. Uh, so we changed scenes. Uh, Dorothy is uh, bringing a tray of mugs into the living room uh, just when Blanche enters with uh, some bags. Looks like she went shopping or something. Mm-hmm. She asks Dorothy, oh, are they having company over? And Dorothy says, yes, that they're having Barbara Thorndike over. She says she's introduced herself after the lecture, and they kind of hit it off. Uh, they went out for coffee, and they talked for several hours. She says that it was the most riveting conversation she's had in years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blanche kind of challenges the idea that you know she hasn't had stimulating conversations at their home, but at the same time, Rose then enters reading uh, like a tabloid newspaper. She tells them that uh, it said, "Mike, now that Michael Jackson uh, can't buy the remains of the Elephant Man, he's now trying to acquire the Big Bopper," mm. which I I had known the name, but I didn't really know who he was. A whole lot. Yes, yes, <laughs> he had a few big songs. Was uh, the Big Bopper one of the ones that went down yes, in the uh, died in a plane crash? Yeah. He died. Was twenty eight. Twenty eight was it? <laughs> so it was Big Bopper. Who were the other? Richie Valens and Buddy Holly. Okay. I wouldn't think. I would think that would be really difficult remains to purchase because I would think they'd be have been burned up. <laughs> yeah. you know, in the crash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Well, apparently they were all recovered. Oh, were they all their all their corpses were recovered? Yeah, oh, but okay. uh, they were in different locations. Like I guess Big Bopper stayed in the plane where the other bodies were like ejected oh, into okay. different locations. I read about it on Wikipedia. Well, I hope that uh, Michael was able to recover not only those, but the Elephant Man bones. I hope so, too. <laughs> I don't think he ever got the Elephant Man bones. No. Yeah, that really was a thing on the uh, news. He yeah. was trying to really buy that. Did you guys uh, ever see the Elephant Man movie? I did, yeah. It's really good. Uh-huh. Have you ever seen it, Ski? I think so. Yeah, it's an old black and white movie. Um, Bob Merrick, right? Is that his name? John, or John, John Merrick. Yeah, I think John, John Merrick, Merrick yeah. yeah. It's only 1980. The movie was in 1980. Yeah. Oh, so did they just make it in black and white? Mm-hmm. So that oh. yeah. I guess I probably it was been a long time since I've seen it, so I yeah. don't think I realized. I guess I just thought it was an old yeah, you know, yeah. an old movie. But yeah, no. Uh, like he made it as if like it was Freaks or something. Oh, okay. You know. Oh, very nice. I, I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah. No it's, idea. Um, David Lynch directed it. Do you Dave, know? 
David Lynch seems like he's kind of an odd fellow in yeah, a general sense. He's really good. So. He's one of my favorites. Well, you're kind of an odd fellow as well, so I it am. makes sense. I I'll give you a quarter if you tell me who produced the Elephant Man. Your mom. <laughs> What's up? Mel Gibson. Uh, Mel Gibson. <laughs> Mel Brooks. Oh, okay. Really? Yeah. And that's why, like, like they they didn't announce it like it was a Mel Brooks movie because they didn't want people laughing. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was not exactly the subject matter yeah. he's known for. Exactly. Like, yeah, we're waiting for the guys from Blazing Saddles to... Exactly. Any time now, guys. Yeah, throw out their racial slurs. Exactly. It's a prequel to Young Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Did you ever watch that, that YouTube clip that putting on the Ritz from Young Frankenstein? Yeah, yeah, that was a, it was a good, definitely a good clip. Didn't you sh- I thought you showed it to us that night. No, I just recommended that you guys watch it at some point before you die. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think we watched it that yeah, night. I, I think we, we watched it right oh, after. You guys had the after party? Mm-hmm. Okay. You're always welcome, but you always duck out. So I don't want to overstay my welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you want to understay your welcome as much as possible. <laughs> <laughs> Since I usually arrive a good hour before this one, <laughs> I have to leave an hour ahead of time. That's not fair either. <laughs> I would say in all the episodes we've done, he's only been an hour late once, maybe twice. <laughs> Still pretty the rest bad, of the time honestly. He didn't show up. What's that? Because the rest of the time he didn't show up. I don't know. Has there ever been time when I don't think we've ever had one where we got here and had to just call it because Ski couldn't make it. I don't think that's ever happened. I think there's been one, there was one time when we really debated on like, well, should we just call it because mm-hmm. Ski was going to be here. Like, I think he thought 30 minutes late and 30 minutes turned into an hour. Um, and we did, we, but I think we stuck it out and we still went ahead and recorded okay. it. But that's only happened once in, like I said, 60 odd episodes so far. There was a time unless it's gotten the wreck, but I think I called ahead of time. Yeah, yeah. Brent may have been en route that time. Mm-hmm. I was en route the time uh, your guys' friends were going through a divorce and I had to turn back around because he had to console the soon to be widow. Oh, so there was a time when he was helping out. I don't know. I don't remember that, but uh, I trust you. Nope. I think he actually might be talking about James. Well, that's yes. what I imagine. <laughs> they're not. They're not divorced. Really? Stay, uh, yeah, oh, stay okay. Because I thought you. I thought you were talking about really the two that fight. actually did get divorced. But yeah, um, James got divorced. No, he oh. didn't. But his brother and his wife did fairly oh, recently. Oh. Yeah. So. I I thought maybe that was what you're talking about. I was like, I don't think I remember Ski consoling his wife, but. Uh, not the way that he consoles James' wife. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm not even going to touch that. I'll probably cut it. <laughs> no doubt. Him giving Lisa the business is the best thing I've heard all night. <laughs> uh, Nicole would approve of that comment. Yeah, she, she would certainly wax. would. She's so upstairs waxing now, isn't she? Wax on, wax off, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. she do the manscaping? She does. Really? Uh, I'm not really paying she, with that. But she uh, taking on new clients? <laughs> Hashtag not asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag hairy beast. <laughs> you know, you have to ask yourself. No, no. <laughs> you basically just turned into a verbal contract with Ski. So. Exactly. What'd you say? Sorry. I said he basically entered into a verbal contract with you on that. <laughs> so he didn't have to take the service, but he's got to still pay for it. <laughs> well, if I'm paying for it, I'm taking it. <laughs> I'm sure Helena will appreciate it. <laughs> As will my only fans. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Launch a whole new clientele. Mm-hmm. 
burnt shaved wiener. Well, I know there's nothing more uh, breathtaking than a freshly shorn <laughs> scrotum. scrotum. Yeah. Exactly. So there's an Austin Powers reference there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we had one last week too, or a few weeks ago, when you threw out a fat bastard <laughs> reference. <laughs> Oddly, we have probably more more uh, Austin Powers references on here than most podcasts. Back to the story. Blanche tells Rose that uh, she can't believe any everything she reads in that paper, the tabloid about uh, Michael buying the uh, corpses, mm-hmm. uh, as it centers or caters to the people of the lower intellect. Uh, Rose perfectly uh, asks her, "Then why do you buy it?" <laughs> yeah, that was one of my favorite lines, actually, of the episode. Uh, then Blanche responds in a very matter-of-fact way that it's the only newspaper that Elvis's ghost will communicate with. Mm-hmm. Uh, that explanation seems to work for Rose. Blanche makes odd times to be an Elvis fan. Yeah, I mean, do you feel like there are times when she seems that she's anti-Elvis? Maybe not anti-Elvis, but, like, definitely... Like, every once in a while she'll say something that implies she's a big fan of Elvis. Oh, okay. And yet the rest of the time she never mentions him at all. So you feel like that if you're a big fan of someone, you should be talking about him nonstop? Like, it should have been almost a weekly thing for Blanche to mention her love of Elvis? I think it would just be a bigger part of her personality. Oh, okay. You know? Well, I mean, she did have that salt and pepper shaker, right? <laughs> that she wouldn't get rid of in the... Yeah, uh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> so, I remember that. So we've established early on that she at least, you know, was a fan of Elvis. So. Yeah, that's true. Dorothy takes the paper, though, uh, from... Say what? <laughs> yeah. Nothing. Dorothy takes the paper from Rose and hides it underneath the couch cushion uh, so Barbara won't see it when she arrives. Uh, when Rose hears that, you know, Barbara will be coming to visit, she says that, you know, she's never met an author... Blanche says that uh, she once met uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who has written a book. Yeah. At least one. Probably several at this point. Yeah. Uh, Dorothy makes a cutting remark that, you know, she must include him in a wrong uh, literary giant such as Faulkner and Fitzgerald. Mm. Mm-hmm. Fun fact. Uh, Brent may know this because he's kind of a, a book guy. But uh, <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> you and I have talked about how we don't read very he much. means I have a gambling problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, F. Scott Fitzgerald, right? Yeah. Do you know what F. Scott is? Uh, what, Francis Scott? Francis Scott Key. Yeah. He was named after... I didn't realize that. Hmm. Did you know that, Alan? No, I didn't. Uh, I found out today when I was doing my thing. So, so you're you saying that F. Scott day? Fitzgerald was named after Francis Scott Key? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so No, but his name is Francis Scott Key Fitzgerald. But oh, okay. He, he was named after Francis Scott Key, the I composer. See. He went with F. Scott. Because yeah, you were Francis blowing Scott my fucking mind for a second. I thought you were like, so you're saying F. Scott Fitzgerald and Francis Scott Key are the same man? He lived for a hundred, <laughs> hundreds of years. Name. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I know I'm not a reader <laughs> like Brent, but. <laughs> hey, now, it was not meant that way. <laughs> or a book guy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, she tells him that, you know. He signed her book ultimately when he refused to sign her thigh. Dorothy again kind of sharply states that uh, he was probably just intimidated to see a thigh bigger than his. Yeah, that was a fun one. Sophia enters then holding uh, the lasagna she had baked earlier, mm-hmm. asking the girls if they want it. Uh, she tells them that apparently Murray did not want it, and she kinda, he'd kind of slighted her. Blanche tells her that you know she has to act hard to get, but Sophia says that, you know, even black, wearing black underwear and pasties couldn't make her look easy. <laughs> uh, the doorbell then rings, and Dorothy answers, letting Barbara in. Uh, she introduces Rose and Blanche. Mm-hmm. Blanche starts to uh, 
kind of make small talk and say that, you know, they hear she's an author. She responds that, no, no, she's just a writer, that Malibude was an author. Mm-hmm. Rose says that she thought those were marshmallow stuffed cookies. Uh, embarrassed, like uh, in her face, Dorothy corrects her, saying that, no, no, those are Malamars. Rose sits back in her chair with a bashful look on her face. <laughs> I feel like that Dorothy, as embarrassed as she w- was, would have tried to make a joke out of it and been like, oh, Rose, you card, <laughs> you know, and tried to make it look like she, you know, like Rose was intentionally a, making yeah, that. Definitely been a better way to play it off. Yeah. Instead of just a, you know, flat out embarrassing Rose directly. Uh, Barbara then gives uh, Dorothy a hard copy of her new book, Scarlet Dawn at Boca Raton. Mm hmm. Uh, with a pretty sweet inscription on the inside cover. Yeah, I am. Um, <coughs> if you were an author, it, is that something you'd give of as a gift? I feel like that would be awkward. Like, I feel like it would be really pretentious to be like, here, as a gift, you probably want my new book. Maybe, but we we know that Dorothy went to the symposium I, to I, meet where she was speaking and stuff. Yeah, and, I, and I think the fact that it was just described, it's just a nice gesture. Mm, okay, so if I wrote a book and I gave that to you as like a Christmas present, you'd be cool with that? Did you inscribe it to me? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Did you dedicate it to me? No, <laughs> I dedicated my inscription to you. Okay, <laughs> but like the front... It depends on what the book was. If it was like, you know, my life as a podcaster, then (laughs) maybe I would. But, you know, I I think at this point, if it was a general thing or a complete work of fiction, I don't know if I could inscribe it to you. I mean, I do have a wife and three children. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know. I I don't know if you've been. Now, if you died, I might. (laughs) So, you know. Not not an incentive. No, no. no, I'd rather you live and me not write a book. Okay. (laughs) So if I have the choice. Okay. So I, I I care more for you than my potential future wealth as a writer. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking about that the other day. About me dying or writing or? Uh, all of our deaths. Oh, okay. How so? Uh, Do you want to give any context? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, or you're just like, oh, wait, I, I was got, just contemplating it. I imagine. <laughs> story over. At this point, I imagine you're just like, Fuck, I got another podcast to record. I wish we were all just dead. No. <laughs> like, I was trying to think of like a uh, like a listener poll or oh, okay. survey or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering where you're going with this question. I'm just saying, like for the three of us, you know, and then have people vote as far as, you know, <laughs> they had to pick one for each of us, you know, murder, suicide, or autoerotic asphyxiation. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it would kind of be like the, you know, fuck, Mary kill game. Exactly. But it would just be the three ways we could possibly die. Exactly. Okay. Like, which two of us would, like, kill one another <laughs> or whatever. Oh, then, I thought you were saying, like, okay, one of these three is going to no, kill like, themselves so intentionally. Like, yeah. So, like, um, if you were murdered, oh, okay. okay then obviously, you know, one of us, whichever one of us was suicide, was the one who killed you and then killed himself. Mm, and okay. then the last man standing was auto rock asphyxiation. Or mm. maybe they died now, first, and then okay. the other two murder suicide. <laughs> now, did the out. asphyxiation occur as the person was watching the the murder suicide? <laughs> See, I, didn't, I didn't consider that at the time. But that, that, that seems reasonable. <laughs> so then this is hot. Would Keep this going, a, you guys. Do you think this would be a planned thing? Like, you and Ski lure me over to your house. <laughs> That's up to the, you know, our listeners as far as however they wanted to envision it when they voted. Oh, see, because in this in this scenario, I'm envisioning you in the closet, you know, mm-hmm. in an open closet, 
naked, ple- <laughs> pleasuring yourself with the with the belt around your throat. And Apparently, you also envisioned it with me live streaming it on my own. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, you got to make money. Um. <laughs> Need that cheddar. That's, yeah. that's the final episode. The final right. <laughs> final show. While ski, and this would be a split screen, <laughs> I guess. No encore. <laughs> While ski is murdering me and then killing himself, and then. You're just too engrossed in the whole thing to where you forget to release the belt or whatever the next step in that process would be. So, so you're thinking you're the murder victim. Yeah, definitely. In this case, yeah. I'm not going to kill either of you, and I'm definitely not going to do the other. So. <laughs> <laughs> I have no desire to... to I am completely satisfied with the normal pleasures of sex that I don't need. I don't, I don't need to strangle myself. Yeah. yeah. So... So yeah, now I don't know. Ski is a little more depraved <laughs> in a general sense. Agreed. I don't um, think I'd go that route. Though. Is he also more accident prone? Yeah, absolutely. Injury, injury yeah. Prone. So you think he could definitely be the autoerotic asphyxiation? <laughs> you know, I, I think he could, and I think he'd be crying as he realized that uh-huh. this is what he always wanted. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> okay, so my process of elimination. Yeah. Then, I, then maybe you're the murderer, I would suicider. Be the suicide person after i'd killed you right um, i don't like the way this is played out <laughs> i mean i don't really care for the no, whole scenario at least but you get off <laughs> <laughs> well maybe uh, <laughs> hopefully true. he doesn't die first <laughs> exactly. he died like he lived with blue balls now it would definitely be the other way it would definitely be oh, shoot i don't know i can't imagine ski murdering somebody but i can't imagine him being so bereft <laughs> if he murdered him. I think it'd have to be a situation where it was unintentional, mm-hmm. where you somehow tricked Ski into killing me, <laughs> <laughs> and then he felt so bad that then he turned the gun on himself Here's your like Coke it wouldn't zero, be. Alan. Yeah. What do you mean poison? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then like you'd be like, "Look, that thing has rat poison in it." <laughs> as you're looking at him through the closet, <laughs> and then him in a you know a fit of both. Horror at how attracted he is to you in the closet and grief <laughs> over having just yeah. murdered me would then take his own life and then you know you so transfix poison from your lips <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then when I come to having not actually died then I get so sad that I go ahead and take my own Romeo life yeah <laughs> so yeah. I, I, that's the most. That's definitely the most logical way yeah. that that would go. <laughs> Going back to the Golden Girls now seems inappropriate. <laughs> I don't think there's ever a bad time to talk about any of these things. <laughs> um. Okay. Um. <laughs> so Barbara gives uh, Dorothy a book of her new book or a copy of her new book. Uh, again, Scarlet Dawn at Boca Raton. Mm-hmm. That's a, a fun title. Dorothy goes to get some coffee for the girls. Uh, while they kind of get to know each other. Uh, Blanche comments on uh, a brooch that she's got on her like lapel. It mm-hmm. uh, says it's pretty. And then she starts telling about you know how she got it in Morocco uh, while she was there working on a novel. Uh, and I guess hitting on a uh, Moroccan dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then she got horrible writer's block. She says her mind was devoid of all thought. And Rose chimes in that uh, she frequently experiences that as well. Barbara asks, oh, are you a writer? And uh, Rose reply, simply replies, no. Why do you ask? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was a, a, one of my favorite Rose lines as well. Uh, Barbara flashes a concerned look toward Blanche, but Blanche just kind of shrugs it off, smiles, and tells her to uh, continue with her story. She then tells her that you know she was approached while walking in a crowded market, 
and uh, given the brooch by a man telling her that this is what you need. Uh, she says it then cured her writer's block, and uh, ever since it's kind of been her luck charm and muse. Uh, Rose comments on that, even better, it goes with everything mm-hmm. or anything. Blanche, however, did warn against it with plaid. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barbara says that she thinks they may have missed the uh, point, whole point of the story, and Blanche suggests, you know, go ahead and tell us again. Uh, Barbara makes a clearly displeased face and simply states, I think not. Yeah, I mean, they definitely establish uh, Barbara as being a pretentious bitch pretty early on in the in the show. Uh, I mean, from the very first scene, basically, that she's in. And I feel like there's just, she seems to be completely humorless. Um, I mean, maybe her humor level is really pretentious, but I feel like you could look at any of the scenarios that she has turned her nose up at so far and see the humor in them, even oh, as yeah, you even know, if someone was being a bit of like like Rose's kind yeah. of dumb comment, mm-hmm. still funny, right? Yeah, exactly. But after a short but awkward silence, Rose asks, you know, if she bowls. <laughs> she of course then scoffs at the idea, uh, and then Dorothy enters back, asking how everyone's doing. Barbara tells her that uh, despite her lovely conversation with Rose and Madge, uh, Blanche <laughs> then corrects her and says it's Blanche. Now Blanche has no. Uh, no room to get mad at someone mistaking her name almost True. intentionally. I mean, she called Sven Swen for an entire, <laughs> you know, weekend. So I think that she has earned it. But uh, she says, unfortunately, she just remembered a previous uh, commitment and uh, must leave. Dorothy says, oh, that's too bad, uh, but offers to at least walk her out. Uh, when they leave and close the door, Blanche asks Rose what she thinks about her. And Rose says, you know, there's just something I don't like about her. Also, she, you know, she's hard to talk to and she thinks I'm dumb. To each of these, Blanche emphatically replies, me too. <laughs> Realizing that, you know, the last one, she thinks I'm dumb. Me too. Yeah. You know, Rose kind of, her face drops when she considers exactly what she had said. And we change scenes. Uh, we see uh, now Blanche is reading one of Barbara's books uh, sitting in the kitchen. When Rose comes in and asks if she's already decided uh, on a costume for the masquerade ball, Blanche says that she'll be going as Eve and will only need a, a few strategically placed leaves. Mm-hmm. Rose suggests, well, how about a snake? And Blanche says that she already has one, which is her date, who happens to be a whiplash attorney. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a pretty good line. Yeah, that was good. But the whole thought of the costume was kind of... Uh, I, I can't imagine that in a mental health facility, or I mean, it's not a facility, I guess, but yeah. uh, you know, grief center, mm-hmm. a masquerade ball, that's something quite so tawdry. I, for, I didn't catch that she said it was at the grief center. Well, I mean, I think she said it was for her work, didn't mm-hmm. she? Yeah. So oh, yeah, okay. I don't know if it was at the grief center specifically, but it was mm-hmm. centered around, you know, like it was a work function. Gotcha. So. Yeah. Would you rather have like, you know, people with mental issues walking around covered by a fig leaf or <laughs> with a polyester horse's head on them? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I guess I would choose. So the people have the mental issues; they're being made to wear the costumes. Also, I mean, they can choose to wear a costume if they wanted to. Well, and these people, I don't know. It, Some of them do it every day anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I'd want them to wear whatever they were comfortable with, whatever would keep them feeling calm and get through the party. Okay, then, or you know, to not be grieving if it was helping them through their grief process. Then, by all means, if the fig leaves helps you do that, then wear that. If the uh, horse costume is what does it for you, then that's fine too. So, I'm sorry, I guess, so I thought, you know, Rose was a grief counselor. Right. they had other counselors there as well. Because, like, they had the guy who was a compulsive liar mm-hmm. and the guy who, like, well, that's thing. they she re- with all mental issues. She refers to it, though, often as the grief center. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it does seem like they really are more of a, a, 
maybe the grief center is just her specific part her, of her the wing larger of the building or something or her yeah. little department. Yeah, it could be. Um, yeah. That makes more sense based on what we've seen of the yeah. facility to this point. But it does seem like they don't handle your run of the mill issues otherwise when they went to see that therapist a week ago or you know, not a week mm-hmm. ago, but a few weeks back. Yeah. Then it would have, you know, potentially been someone in that building. But yeah. Yeah, anyways. You but know yeah, either way I don't think it's for the patients. I think it's probably just for the employees. Okay. If it is kind of like an asylum type place, uh, you know, maybe Batman, that's where, you know, all of his lavishly dressed uh you know, villains so you they were all going in Miami. Say what? <laughs> Arkham is in Miami. Well, yeah, and they were all part of uh, <laughs> yeah, Gotham is Miami, and they were all there for part of a, uh, a, a costume party. Yeah. And just like, you know what? This works for me. This is what I'm wearing so, from now on. I've so Batman's like, caught you again, Joker. Use the bathroom. We got an 18-hour drive to Miami. <laughs> <laughs> hey, in the Batwing, it goes pretty quick. <laughs> and even in the Batmobile, you know, he just turns on that turbo booster. Now I don't know how much... You know how many miles to the gallon that yeah. gets, but still, it can get you a pretty good boost. So, yeah. well, if Gotham is not Miami, maybe it's Miami adjacent. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I do always think of Miami as being a dark, brooding town. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, she says, you know, she's got her snake already. Uh, Dorothy then enters, and Blanche invites her to join her and Rose at the movies. Dorothy tells her that uh, she's already got plans with Barbara. They're apparently going to the experimental theater. Mm-hmm. Blanche says that she once saw a show there in which three naked men wearing only masks uh, performed for five hours talking about God eating graham crackers. Mm. Surprised, Rose asked if she stayed there for the whole show. Blanche says that she almost left, but uh, one of the actors looked very familiar. (laughs) uh, But she couldn't be sure because he had such a small part. Yeah, that was probably my favorite line of the episode. That was a really good one. Mine too. Uh, Rose and Blanche urged her to, you know, join, saying, you know, she'll have more fun. And that uh, Barbara seems rather snooty. Defensively, Dorothy snaps back, saying you know, they barely know her, and that she doesn't include them uh, in plans because they have you know different interests. She asks if it's uh, so bad to have other interests and other friends. Rose kind of opens up, saying, "Yeah, it's understandable," and that uh, Dorothy promises them that they'll do something together real soon. Uh, then exits. Blanche suggests that. Uh, Maybe their first impression of Barbara was off, and uh, they should give her a second chance. Rose agrees and tells uh, a St. Olaf story uh, about an older, kind of grumpy lady that all the kids were scared of. Uh, She had her name legally changed to Mean Old Lady Hickenlooper, since people called her that anyway. Uh, Blanche asks why uh, Rose's name then isn't Big Dummy, and Rose explains, well, the town already had three people with that name. (laughs) She eventually asks... the lady, why she never smiles, and apparently she explained that you know she was born without the proper muscles to smile, mm-hmm. which I don't know if that's possible because I think it's the same muscles to frown, isn't it? Yeah, mostly. Well, I mean, I think of her too, which I don't know if this is actually true or not, or if it's just something people say, but that it takes more uh, muscles to frown than it does to smile. I, again, I don't know if that's true or not, but either way, too. I think that it's probably very similar muscles that do the two <laughs> things. Uh. Uh, anyway, Rose explains that you know frowns are just upside down smiles, and so from then on, whenever she passed, M O L H. M O L H. Yeah. Uh, whenever she. Mean passed. old lady Hickenlooper. Oh. <laughs> gotcha. Sorry, I forgot that was the generally accepted abbreviation. <laughs> <laughs> she would just stand on her head and wave. It's uh, impressive for an old lady that <laughs> she can right, stand yeah. on her head every yeah. time. 
Uh, with an exhausted look, Blanche calls calls that one of the stupidest stories she'd ever heard, which apparently pr- proved her first impression of Rose. Rose then suggests that they invite Barbara over for dinner uh, so they can maybe get to know her better. Blanche agrees, and they uh, start to get ready to leave for the movie. Uh, before exiting, though, Blanche asks you know, Rose, what was your first impression of me? Rose tells her that she thought she uh, wore too much makeup and was a slut. But, you know, she was wrong. She doesn't wear too much makeup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was another good Rose line. That was actually my fa- one of my favorite lines. There's two favorite lines, and the other one's coming up. Oh, okay. Uh, we change scenes again. We see uh, the women all coming back into the living room, uh, likely, likely from the lanai after dinner. All right. Uh, Barbara's telling a, a bit of a highbrow joke, which I caught part of it. It was kind of funny. Hmm. Uh, Dorothy laughs. Blanche kind of gives a semi-sarcastic praise. And then Rose tries to interject a comment, citing a recent ALF episode. But uh, Blanche stops her short. Uh, then Rose goes to get drinks. And uh, Blanche tells Barbara that you know she recently read her first novel. And she's like, oh yeah, it's so dark, the waves on Biscayne Bay. Mm-hmm. Barbara comments that you know, she's grown a lot as a writer since that book. And Blanche kind of laughingly says, well, I should hope so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how the dinner went, but obviously it must not have gone very well. If uh, that's a pretty hard, you know, <laughs> dig right away. Yeah. All right, mm-hmm. uh, that's not the dig of somebody who's still trying to make things work out. <laughs> yeah. She's she's kind of giving up on being polite, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say so. Dorothy kind of cautions her. Miami. Say again. It's like real world Miami. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dorothy kind of cautions her friends, uh, somewhat rude criticism, but Barbara, you know, so. She opens up, welcomes the uh, the feedback, asking what she didn't like about the book. Blanche comments on the repeated use of various waves, big, little, dark, saying that uh, she had to take a motion sickness pill to get through Chapter 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barbara explains, you know, condescendingly that the waves are metaphoric. And Blanche says that uh, she understands that, and uh, she knows what metaphors are. She's not a dummy. Rose then asks what a metaphor is. <laughs> <laughs> And Blanston explains that's you know when you use words to explain something else. Sophia enters and uh, Dorothy introduces her. Barbara tells her that uh, Dorothy is one of the quote most beautiful people I have ever met. Chuckling, Sophia cruelly comments, "Boy, you writers never stop using your imagination." Yeah, she can't. She just can't stop tearing Dorothy down. <laughs> so. and to a good friend too, mm-hmm. like her new friend. Uh, we hear a horn honk, and Sophia abruptly says that she must be going. Uh, when her daughter asks, you know, where are you going to, she kind of sarcastically asks if she remembers what dates are. Barbara then uh, says that she needs to be going also. Rose says, you know, it's still early, though, and she had hoped that they could play a game of Oogle and Flugel, mm-hmm. uh, the adult version of hide-and-seek. Uh, the difference, of course, being that adults play it. <laughs> yeah. Barbara kind of rolls her eyes at this as well and uh, says she'll take a rain check. Dorothy walks her to the door, and Barbara tells her that she has an extra ticket uh, to a writer's symposium and asks if she'd like to come. Dorothy enthousi- enthusiastically accepts. Uh, she then leaves without saying goodbye to the other girls. A uh, worried Rose points out that the symposium is on Friday, the same day as the costume ball, and they are going to share the horse outfit together. Right. Dorothy basically craps on the uh, whole masquerade ball, saying that she has a choice of dancing in a horse costume, or, or possibly hobnobbing with famous authors. Rose then <laughs> kind of dumbly asks, well, which is it going to be? <laughs> Dorothy kind of turns around and gives her her look of, really? 
and then exits. Yeah, there's been, you know, throughout the course, so there haven't been too many genuinely shitty uh, friendship moments from Rose, uh-huh. but Blanche and Dorothy have certainly had their fair share <laughs> over time. This is definitely one of Dorothy's low points as yeah. far as, uh, I mean, no one's thanking her for being a friend after that. <laughs> so Her heart wasn't true. Yep. She's going to travel down that load and back again on her own. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> if she threw a party. No one she knew would come. <laughs> well, Barbara, maybe. Yeah, maybe. And I guess the biggest gift would Sophia, probably be Sophia, just so she could make fun of her. <laughs> her biggest gift is just going to be a you know, large print copy of her book. <laughs> right. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And the card attached would say, in large print. Thank you for being a friend. Glad you brought it home. <laughs> You couldn't just leave it there. No, no, there. definitely yeah. not. That's my large voice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we change scene again. Uh, Rose and Blanche are washing the dishes and loudly making a show of how uh, well friends treat one another. Mm-hmm. Dorothy comments that uh, she remembers an episode of Three's Company where Jack and Janet kind of treated Chrissy that way. And this is actually my other favorite line. Blanche brilliantly snaps back saying that Dorothy finally dropped a reference that even we illiterates can understand. <laughs> Non-bookies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was one for me. <laughs> Rose follows up. I'm glad they realize not everyone's brows as high as Brent's. <laughs> Rose follows up equally brilliantly, I think, saying, guess her well of knowledge has run dry. <laughs> she then states plainly that, you know, she was using a metaphor. <laughs> Uh, now, in fairness, Rose did ask what a metaphor was. She did. <laughs> so. But it was pretty, that was that was very biting. I like yeah. that. That, mm, was, that uh, was a good one. Uh, the girls are quite pleased with themselves, but mm-hmm. Dorothy looks unimpressed, uh, asking why it's so important that she joined them at the ball. Uh, Blanche pours on pretty thick, saying that it's important to Rose, and she is crushed by her lack of sensitivity. Rose starts to kind of refute that uh, that level of concern, but Blanche hushes her. Uh, Dorothy challenges that this is really actually because they just don't like Barbara. Blanche then admits that, yeah, she doesn't like her because she's a phony. Mm-hmm. Dorothy points out uh, the hypocrisy of this since she regularly tells her dates and lists on her resume that she was Angie Dickinson's body double in Dress to Kill. Now, I don't think so far, in, in fairness, she's a terrible person, but I don't <laughs> necessarily think that Barbara's a phony. I mean, she comes off as being pretentious. And she she's is always that author. way. I mean, yeah, I mean, not... I don't think a phony would be if she acted like she enjoyed being around them and then mm. talked shit behind their backs or yeah. something like that, or acted like she was uh, mm-hmm. an author. But you know, yeah. everything about her, she seems like she pretty much is on brand. Um, mm-hmm. She she stays uh, true to herself, even though herself is a terrible person. Yeah. <laughs> so. Gen- genuinely, a yeah. bad person. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think I don't know. I don't know. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> you got some ideas there. What are you thinking? Or just No, I was just gonna go on about, you know just the birth of, you know, Florida's current anti intellectualism. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you think this is where it all started? <laughs> so people started turning their backs on science because of Barbara Thorndike. Exactly. <laughs> Turned off on the writers and then it just gradually made it to the scientists and <laughs> All downhill from here, right? Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I think there's still plenty of people in Florida, especially ones who listen to this podcast, that, you know, 
love all those things. Um, science, books, <laughs> 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 and whatnot. Uh, but uh, there, there are certainly... I think you may be giving a little bit too much credence to um, to Barbara's influence <laughs> on, <laughs> on the state of affairs, <laughs> but maybe not. Maybe I'm not giving it enough. Yeah. Well, Rose sits down and flatly <clears throat> states that uh, Barbara is just not nice, <clears throat> that uh, she looks down on almost everyone, uh-huh. with the exception of Dorothy, <laughs> since she looks up to her. <laughs> What? I'm just chuckling at Brent uh, co-signing <laughs> on <laughs> on your recapping of what Rose's opinions on Barbara are. Well, we all got to be on the same page, mm-hmm. Alan. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Blanche gives an example of how you know she tried to make them even feel stupid at dinner uh, by speaking in Latin. I think she said when passing a spoon or salt or something. Yeah, that would oh, piss cool. me off too. As a matter of fact, <laughs> there was a time in high school when I was a less secure person mm-hmm. um, where there was a kid that I was in math class with uh-huh. and he called me a horse's ass in another language. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I punched him in the face. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, I, I think he ended up getting six stitches in his mouth because of it. And he was not a well-liked person. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. Whenever I did get into altercations, uh-huh. it was always with people that were generally unliked. Yeah. <laughs> so that that helped a little bit. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, I was. I can definitely see where somebody mm-hmm. using a foreign language to essentially belittle you would just add a little salt to the wound anyway. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm, I'm 100 passing the salt, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, why would someone do that anyway? Like pass who would the salt? Yeah. No, it's horrible for you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me wrong. You have a lot of jokes that um, if uh, you made them to people that weren't your friends, they would not <laughs> like you. Because <laughs> you're smart enough that you can definitely make those kind of jokes. <laughs> but you don't to people who aren't already on your side. Yeah. So it works out fine. Okay. So, yeah, we can appreciate your humor because we know you're actually a good person. Okay. Whereas Barbara, she's using that humor to people who... At the she very least, like. would be indifferent. Yeah. I mean, at best, would be indifferent, and yeah. you know, she may not realize that they already have contempt for her. But mm-hmm. so, yeah. anyways, just well, I like, don't know. After the uh, the Blanche's uh, thing with the uh, book, I think she already kind of knows what page she's on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say so. Mm-hmm. But that, but I think the dinner though that she's referring to happened before Blanche made a comment on the book. True. So I think it's true. Yeah. So what's in it for her, like Barbara? Like, you think she just truly wants to be Dorothy's friend, so she's willing to put up with, you know, Madge's insults? <laughs> <laughs> it would seem that way. She I mean, actually says I, I would, so much later. I would almost, yeah, I would guess that it's something where maybe she's trying to expose them for mm-hmm. the low-class, cl- mm-hmm. you know, clods that they are. She basically and, says that, too. And so that's a long time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so she's like, I will, maybe she really genuinely likes Dorothy. And it's like, well, it's worth it to me to endure this for now until i can pry her away from these two you know p- peasants yeah um well we got a few more paragraphs we're almost there guys. yeah yeah we're it's, getting there it's she basically says all the stuff you just said yeah so rose reiterates that latin. you know say what <laughs> but in latin <laughs> uh, rose reiterates that she has every right to have other friends but it takes a good friend to point out you know your mistakes and uh she says that hanging out with barbara is one of those mistakes Dorothy explodes, basically asking, "How dare you make judgments like that? How dare you tell me who my friends should be?" Before kind of storming out of the room. Uh, we change scenes. We see uh, Dorothy and Barbara now sitting at a table in kind of a posh eatery. 
Apparently, it's the uh, region's premier spot for literary buffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, a waiter hands each of them a book, which is the menu. Uh, Barbara suggests that she turn to chapter five, which has the lunch options. Now, she go, do, do you want to <coughs> go over at all what the lunch options were? I have a few, but you want to if you want to name them. That's well, no, fine. you can. I didn't write them down. I just have a comment about it. Once you do, well, she does. She lists several cl- kind of cleverly named menu items. The ones I wrote down was uh, crepes of wrath. Mm-hmm. Now, don't you feel like that? In this place, that seems snooty and a little snooty yeah. um, in general. And they come with the book and all that kind of shit. Uh-huh. Especially, too, that they don't tell you where you need to look. So you're just supposed yeah. to know that you need to turn halfway through the book to yeah. get to the actual menu. Yeah. That they're using a lot of puns. And puns are uh-huh. kind of a low form of comedy yeah. anyway. Um, it just seems surprising to me. I uh-huh. feel like that, you know, they would. Well, it's probably something. a testament to the fact that not everybody at that restaurant is as snooty as Barbara is. Yeah, perhaps not. Maybe the restaurant is a little more down to earth than what we're led to believe it would be. So it's she, a fun I think she for projects a herself into a so, very pre, pre, uh, prestigious role. Yeah. So maybe that's it. I mean, maybe the restaurant's intentionally going for like a quiche type thing, mm-hmm. but Barbara just doesn't pick up on that. Yeah. Well, she does. Uh, again, she does seem to be humorless. Uh, yeah. Or, or she, n- yeah, near she, it. she even orders uh, something with uh, ketchup and the rye bread. Yeah. And uh, what was it? George Bernard Slaw. Slaw, yes. <laughs> and uh, she does yeah, even crack a smile pun. when she says that. So. That's true. That's Another my one. Pun of all of them. Oh, was it? Yeah. yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, I'd agree. Another one was uh, Old Man in the Seafood Salad. <laughs> mm-hmm. A little bit of that was a stretch. You, yeah. like you had to work for that one. I feel yeah. like so they could have come up with <laughs> certainly yeah. a better option than that. I would think. Do you have a favorite George Bernard Shaw? Nope, I'm, I'm not a bookie. So, <laughs> <laughs> so do you? Yeah. What, what's your favorite? Uh, some people go with Pygmalion. Other okay. people go with My Fair Lady. I personally, she's all that. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so. I watched that Rachel Lee Cook movie. She has the movie on the Netflix. Mm-hmm. You know. Is it good? It is. It is. Um, I mean, obviously, it's been you know 20 years or whatever, but you, right. know, you put a pair of glasses on her. She's still ugly. <laughs> so ugly. <laughs> <laughs> That wasn't where I thought that was going. <laughs> I could so, tell, so I had to zag. <laughs> so, so is it a situation where you're like, with the glasses off, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but once you throw those glasses on, then. Ew. So are, are you waiting for a day? Like, is it going to be that closet scenario we talked about when I'll see you without your glasses? <laughs> exactly. No, it's because the thing from She's All That. Well, yeah, that, that's all the basic. I mean, she, well, she did have well, her hair in a scrunchie, I think, too. That's true. She <laughs> have you guys seen uh, Not Another Teen Movie? I, I think at some point they did, yeah. It basically, have you seen it, Brent? It's a parody movie. It basically makes fun of exactly that. Mm-hmm. They're like, uh, uh, it comes down to a bet, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, I can change. You know, I'm a popular guy. I can make any girl, mm-hmm. you know, prom queen. Yeah. And his, you know, rival guy mm-hmm. friend was like, well, yeah. How about her? It's like, oh no, she may be a hun- hunchback. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me again, but uh, yeah, that's too pretty. Well, what about her? Oh no, just because they're conjoined twins at the head, <laughs> that makes for one sexy girl. And then there's another one that has like some some horrible deformity too. Right. I can't remember. But then uh, the other girl, who was really just a pretty girl with glasses and a ponytail and stuff, walks by and says, oh, no, not her. She's got glasses. Look at that paint on her overalls. So that was pretty funny. Yeah, that was. I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of those movies in general. They made a lot yeah, of them, Yeah, a lot of them were stupid, but, but I liked that one a lot. That was pretty funny. Okay. I like She's All That. 
I yeah, I, from what I remember of it, I do, with Freddie Prinze Jr., right? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, I remember it being an enjoyable movie. Now, my favorite Rachel Lee Cook movie is Josie and the Pussycats. That is a solid, solid movie. Yeah, really. I think it bombed in the box office, mm-hmm. uh, which is really a shame. It, it really, and it holds up well, too. It's mm-hmm. still definitely funny today. Yeah. So. I think I've always seen part of that. Oh, you, you should know, definitely watch house, it. You should watch all that. They, um, um, Warner's Archive just released the um, Josie and the Pussycats cartoon. Oh, really? And I picked it up um, for my youngest, and she has no interest in watching it <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen. I mean, I maybe have seen an Hanna episode Barbera. of the cartoon, yeah, yeah. but I certainly <laughs> haven't seen much of the old yeah. cartoon. So, have you shown her the movie yet? No. Okay, well, maybe that will lead her to the cartoon. I might do that because she's getting into JoJo Siwa. Oh well, I mean, she's seems to be a positive person, um, even if she's not a person who you'd yeah. be a fan of. You generally like a more brooding uh, person who's hard to understand, <laughs> like Bob Dylan. <laughs> Dude, see what has a song called um, Boomerang. Mm-hmm. And so, <laughs> yeah, my youngest, I was like, do you know what a boomerang is? And she's like, it's a Frisbee that comes back to you. And I was like, That's a yeah. pretty yeah. reasonable exactly. explanation. But yeah. then I was like, wait, how does she know what a Frisbee is? <laughs> and I was like, so what's a, what's a Frisbee? She's like, it's a boomerang that doesn't come back. <laughs> <laughs> well, the logic is unassailable. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Apt descriptions both. <laughs> You're raising an intelligent young lady there, Brent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Helena's raising an intelligent young lady there, Brent. <laughs> no. I get partial credit. Now, I, I've definitely given you credit as being a, a real solid father, so I I jest in that you don't deserve credit for <laughs> <laughs> for Cassie's intelligence. So. Uh, so they both order, and uh, Dorothy opens up saying that she really values her friendship and would like her opinion on something. Uh, Barbara then agrees that you know if she had a problem, she would want to talk to a friend like her too. Uh, she tells her about... Uh, her strained relationship with Brilliance and Rose lately. Barbara kind of apologizes for any pressure uh, that she may have added, but then she also calls them both limited. Uh, Dorothy admits that, you know, she may tire of Blanche's talking about her dates or Rose's St. Olaf stories, uh, but they you know are really wonderful friends. Uh, Barbara says that, you know, if they mean that much to Dorothy, she must have missed something on them or in them. Uh, she suggests again that uh, they have dinner, and bring a, maybe a date to the Mortimer Club, the most exclusive club in Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, the waiter then returns with their food, and uh, there's something wrong with uh, Barbara's, and then a few more literature food puns ensue. Mm-hmm. Uh, we then change uh, scenes for the last time. Blanche is uh, adjusting her makeup at home, dressed in a glittery uh, blue dress. Rose enters, saying that you know she's concerned about spending yet another night with Barbara. Blanche says, oh, it won't hurt. And beside, it's the Mortimer Club. Rose is confused as to why that even matters. Blanche tells her it's uh, it's exclusive and rich men hang out there. And they make the best lovers. Hmm. Rose asks, well, is that true? And Blanche admits, no, it's not. But if you tell them that, they'll let you spend their money. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, that's probably a pretty apt you I, know, apt description. So. I'm guessing she says it from experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Dorothy and Sophia enter, and uh, Dorothy asks if it's okay that she borrowed uh, Blanche's necklace. Uh, Blanche says it's fine, but you know the chain was really meant for a dainty neck. <laughs> Dorothy quips back that you know that's yeah she understands, but she doesn't know Mike Tyson well enough to borrow his ju- jewelry. <laughs> right. Uh, the doorbell rings and Blanche opens it uh, for Barbara and a much younger date uh, named Norman. 
He apparently is a student in her creative writing course. Uh, Blaine's comments that, oh, I didn't realize you taught high school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll tell you what, this show really does enjoy a teacher that abuses their power. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Or a person who tries to abuse their teacher's power, either way. Um, One or the other, there's a lot of messages about uh, relations between college professors and their students. Some kind of, uh, yeah, there's... There's a lot of ethics issues. Quite a theme, yeah. Bar- so you're going to make me defend Barbara Thornbike now? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, apparently that uh, hey, hey now. she's just as okay in your book as Professor Cooper. She, a, she shrugs she off the wrong? comment. Well, she's dating a student in her class. Do you, do you not think there's any ethical concern there? I, I'm not an administrator at the school. <laughs> I mean, if they don't have a rule that prohibits it, oh, okay. or they did not at the time. That is completely fair, yes. It, it appears to be a consensual relationship. Exactly. And um, she says that she and Norman are the same age spiritually. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, And I guess, too, it would depend. If we don't know enough about Norman, he, we don't even know enough that he gets a fucking credit in the episode. So <laughs> um, we don't know, even know who he is Norman is. Yeah. But we don't have any idea if Norman is in this relationship because he feels pressured to be mm-hmm. or because he really wants to be. So I guess there's yeah. not enough uh, if evidence if to make arm candy for. Yeah. We don't know enough to make a judgment on Barra for this particular exactly uh, potential indiscretion. Exactly. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Sophia pipes in about the uh, spiritually the same age comment that uh, if uh, she can sell him on that idea, more power to you. Mm hmm. Barbara says that uh, she hopes tonight will uh, wipe the slate clean from you know their past differences. Sophia points out that uh, she forgets a lot now that she's 82, including uh, that her cat had been dead for 20 years, which begs the question, who's been using the cat litter? That was probably Sophia's best line in a very Sophia Light episode. Um, yeah, I, and now we have never seen a cat litter box, have we? <laughs> no, no, we haven't. That I Maybe there's maybe a meat litter box. Uh, yeah, who knows? <laughs> Maybe it's in the closet that Sophia always defecates in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she's the one who's been using it, and then Dorothy goes and scoops it out, or she does in the morning thinking it's her yeah. cat that did it. Uh, we don't know how full yeah, that what box is. this is. damn cat eating? <laughs> <laughs> they fed the cat corn. <laughs> uh, the doorbell rings again, and uh, then it's uh, Mr. Murray Gutman, yeah. Sophia's date. So uh, Barbara shakes his hand and asks... Uh, Dorothy, if she can speak with her privately in the kitchen, they go in there and Barbara tells her that, you know, they have a big problem uh, with Mr. Gutman. Dorothy laughs and agrees that, you know, maybe they could get him to turn his powder blue blazer inside out at the restaurant. Barbara, however, explains that, you know, that's not it. Since, uh, based on his last name, (laughs) Murray is likely Jewish, uh, the Mortimer Club will not admit him. Dorothy asks, you know, why she would uh, even be a member at a club like that. And she tells her, you know, it's just their rule, and they have a great breakfast with, you know, free parking. Mm-hmm. Dorothy points out that, you know, but you tolerate that rule. And Barbara spits back that, you know, she's also tolerating another evening with her friends. So Dorothy is shocked to be hearing all this, but uh, Barbara casually suggests that they just go to a different restaurant. Uh, then Dorothy basically drops the bomb and tells Barbara that she is not the type of person she wants as a friend. Uh even telling her to go to hell. Rose and Blanche come into the kitchen asking what's wrong because Barbara had uh, just stormed right past them. Dorothy tells them that you know they were both right about her and asks them to forgive her for her poor judgment of character. Uh, Blanche smiles and asks Rose if they should you know, give her another chance. Rose, smiling also, replies that you know, they better 
because best friends are hard to come by. Mm-hmm. Rose asks if this means that the, she'll be joining them at the Masquerade Ball. And Dorothy says yes. And with her recent practice, she'd be honored to, uh, quote, be the horses behind. Then they laugh and share a group hug. Yeah, that was a, a an unexpected turn. Like, don't get me wrong. Barbara was, like I said, a bitch the entire episode. I mean, from, <laughs> you know, the first scene she was in and every scene she was in after that. <laughs> Even the one in the restaurant where she was with the friend, she was still an ass towards, yeah. the, uh, towards the major D guy. Um, but, yeah, I was not expecting it to suddenly turn into a... Yeah. anti-semitic exactly. um, thing there at they the painted end. themselves into a corner it's like how do we get out of this one oh yeah anti-semitism yeah there you go and well i think they're just trying to prove the oh she's so cruel to other people why would she have a problem with that right yeah yeah i mean i guess that it, she's self-serving even if uh you know she supposedly doesn't agree <laughs> with mm-hmm. that club's uh, policy but yeah I, I wasn't i was not expecting it to go that direction i yeah. thought that she would end up saying something really rude to yeah. you know a little bit beyond the pale to rose mm-hmm. or blanche or to both or of maybe them even sophia yeah That's what i was thinking it'd be sophia you know and then she that would push her sophia's good about calling people out on crap too mm-hmm. so you know mm-hmm. even if uh she didn't listen to rose or blanche maybe she'd listen to what her mom said or something yeah. well dorothy's always been the most uh i don't know woke i guess for lack of a better term on the on the show i mean she's always been more she's got some mod in her yeah um but uh so yeah so obviously that would not fly with her but like i said it just wasn't the way that i was expecting uh barbara to make her exit from the friendship but anyway so uh we had three guest actors that were credited in that episode Mm -hmm. brad trumball he was the maitre d uh Mm -hmm. this was his second time on the golden girls the first one was just earlier this season in brotherly love about uh seven episodes back and he also played a major d in that that episode although i don't believe it was at the same restaurant <laughs> so probably not but you know maybe he's moving up in the world yep then we also had a uh, morty ash he played murray gutman 29 titles to his name and uh he must have started kind of late in life um or at least a lot of those 29 credits came late in life because here are some of his roles that he played old jewish man elderly man old man with dentures old man Polish old man and old duffer and old duffer he played in Troop Beverly Hills. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, and then we had a uh, Bonnie Bartlett. She played the uh, of course the role of Barbara Thorndike. One hundred nineteen credits to her name. One hundred seven of those as an actor. Uh, a couple episodes recently of Better Call Saul. To anybody who's a fan of that, she played Helen on that show. And then uh, seventy eight episodes of Saint Elsewhere as uh, Ellen Craig. So that would have been probably her biggest claim to fame on her. Uh, you know, acting biography, but her other 1988 performance was also really good. Which was that? What was her other 1988 performance? Uh, she was in Twins that year. Oh, was she? Was that the year? I saw that on her uh, on with her resume. Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. Exactly, it was mentioned, <laughs> and with the dude who played the artist last week. Oh, was he? He that's right. He was the uh, like the scientist, the scientist or guy. whatever. Yeah. Oh, very cool. And, so. and she was the mom that he impregnated. <laughs> So boy, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I, I can remember that now. That's a movie I, I would like to watch it because I feel like I'd like to show the kids. Cause I yeah. remember really enjoying it, yeah. but I just wonder how it holds up today. I wonder if it's yeah. still as funny. There's several of those old Arnold Schwarzenegger comedies, yeah. you know, that I would like to go back and watch and see if they are reasonable by today's standards. Yeah. Um, but that would certainly be uh, probably top on the list as far as the Arnold comedies. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I would say so up there with kindergarten cop mm-hmm. it's not a tumor <laughs> exactly so ski who is your uh, mvp for this episode i actually gave it to barbara 
I thought she was fiercely uppity and condescending. Wow, I thought she did a good job. Normally, I mean that's mm-hmm. a surprising. I mean, I, I would agree actually. I thought that just as far as what she did in the episode, um, you know, she was the best. She portrayed the character she was supposed to be very well, very effectively. But it's really rare that Ski gives the MVP <laughs> to someone who is horrible. Yeah, yeah. So how about you, Brent? Who got it for you? Uh, Murray Gutman. Murray. <laughs> <laughs> His people have suffered enough. He's, he needs a win. We never confirmed. I'm that pretty he was sure Jewish, he's dead. Though. You know, <laughs> by 20 years or so at this point. But, but I still, you know, appreciate your sentiment nonetheless. Yeah, exactly. All right, Ski. So how many slices of cheesecake? Do you have an MVP? Oh yeah, yeah. I did. Blanche actually got my MVP this okay. one. I enjoyed her. I thought that her lines were the funniest. Um, she called out things kind of from the beginning and. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just thought it was was definitely shooting from the hip. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a good Blanche episode. I I agree with Ski's rationale. So I think I I may have (laughs) kind of misstated. I agree with his rationale for Barbara, but she wasn't my personal MVP for it. But she did play her role very well. She did. Where do you go, Bonnie? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, so now rating Ski. How many slices did this one get for you? I actually liked a lot. I thought I gave it a five point five. I had pretty good writing, a fairly strong plot. I did wish I had more Sophia, but. Yeah. I know sometimes you just can't squeeze everybody in. Yeah, I thought more Sophia, a little more comedy would have uh, bumped it up a little further, but uh, I gave it a 4.5. I thought it was above average, but just barely. Yeah. How about if they you, had Brent? more food Three. slash literature puns, would you have gone? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was what was missing. About six more literature puns, and that would have bumped it up. Yeah. Oh, well. Now that you remind me of the puns, I'm going to go and go 3.5 instead. Oh, so you're going with three and those puns bumped it up a half for you? Yeah. Okay, very nice. So between the three of us, slightly above average on its scoring, but, you know, certainly not going to compete there at the end. Mm-mm. So, And with that, uh, nothing else to add. I'd say stay golden, Coco. Hey, thanks so much for downloading today. If you enjoyed that opening, you should definitely check out Ashley Jade on YouTube. She has a bunch of awesome compositions on there. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at Sophia's Choice Podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at Sophia's Choice PC. We plan to have a new episode out every Monday. If you have a moment, give us a rating on iTunes or wherever else fine podcasts are downloaded. And of course, stay golden. <laughs>